Hello, and welcome to the Celebration Church Podcast. We are a faith-filled, family-focused church that's in Lakeville, Minnesota. In a moment, you'll be able to hear a sermon from one of our pastors. We hope that you enjoy and grow closer to God through these messages. And now, for a sermon from our lead pastor, Derek Ross. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. It's good to see you guys. Welcome to those watching, worshiping online. Great to be with you. Uh, My name is Derek, and I'm the lead pastor here at Celebration. And uh, I'm going to be continuing our sizzling summer series. This is week three. And uh, how many people are glad, though, it's a little less sizzling out there today? You know, that's a great reprieve. And uh, we appreciate that. It's it's a great deal. Well, uh, we had uh, some significant things happen in our country lately. And uh, I just want to say thanks. I actually... We have a large church. I actually didn't get one message from a single person in our church. It was like, Pastor, are you going to make a statement? Because if you've been here for a while, you know I'm not really that big into statements. I think we ought to have a lot of conversations. And I'm real clear in my convictions. I think uh, that that's not uh, hidden. But uh, there was some pastors, they had sent me a message like, are you going to preach about the Supreme Court rule? And I was like, no, I'm going to preach about what I already prayed about. And uh, But uh, anyway, just it, so I'm going to do that today. But thought I probably would make a few comments uh, for our church family as your pastor. Um, number one, I would just like to say I preached a whole message on abortion. Uh, uh, in our We Need to Talk series last fall, October 17th. I went and looked it up, 2021. I'd encourage you to go back and read it or watch it. Uh, read it. I have the notes, but you might need to watch it. And uh, if you watch that one, feel free to skip back a week or two earlier too. Watch the one on pornography. And uh, there's a lot of uh, hurt in our world and sin causes a lot of devastation. And so uh, I would just say, I don't rewrite messages a lot on Saturday with a, a hurried approach as a re- response to something that something has happened, significant or not in our land. And so I just encourage you to go back, watch that message. I believe that could bring some help to you. For those that were wondering, maybe if you're a guest, uh, newer to celebration, you're like, I don't know, what does this pastor think? Well, I am unashamedly for life, uh, and I'm also aware that there are people who disagree with that uh, commitment. So uh, I I celebrate when life wins out, and I'm also uh, cautious in the way that I refer to that with people that are uh, in a different place. However, uh, I would like to just read a couple words from that sermon, uh, October 17th, 2021. I almost said 21 because I remember that, but because uh, I think they'll help us. Uh, how many people remember that book that I read? Well, I didn't read it, but I highlighted it. It was called Crucial Conversations. I bought the book. It's somewhere in the office. I still haven't read it, but the seventh chapter had a title that was How to Speak Persuasively and Not Abrasively. Um, looking online, it seems like nobody listened to that book. <laughs> a lot of abrasive and not a whole lot of persuasive. So anyway, uh, that, that's there. Some of you may be wondering, and I mentioned this, I'll read one other statement and then, uh, or a comment that I made, and then I'm going to preach. Um, I won't allow political agendas or campaign speech to hijack the biblical value of life because this is way more than a campaign issue, it's a kingdom issue. So we are people who are for life, that's life before it's born, life after it's born, life that's overlooked, life that's underserved, like for life, all of that. And we recognize um, that sin always carries consequences and has far-reaching devastation beyond the person who may have sinned, right? Any 
Sin carries with it consequences, struggles in this world. And anything that goes against God's design, what was God's design for sex? Covenant marriage, one man, one woman for life. Now we recognize that that is not the reality of many, perhaps even most in the world today. Therefore, we cannot be surprised or we should not look the other way when we see hurt, devastation, destruction by people who are following sinful desires abuse, promiscuity, any number of things, pornography feeding into all of these issues. We should not be surprised or look the other way when hurt, the reality of sin in our world today is rampant. Now there's a lot of crazy talk online. I saw, I don't know why I did it. I was preaching uh, up in St. Paul. Pastor Vicente came with me, Darnell Jones, one of our board members. I was preaching for the Hmong National Fellowship, but so I was busy for most of the weekend, thankfully. But I did get online a couple of times and there's some crazy talk online. I saw some people were like, well, if abortion's banned, which my understanding is not banned, it's just back to the States now. But they said, then we should um, physically harm rapists. And I was like, deal. Right, I think they're underestimating how conservative I am. You know what I mean? I'm like, Your terms are acceptable. <laughs> you know, like I'm not a fan of rapists. You know, and they're like, well, if a woman gets pregnant, the man owes child support right away. I'm like, deal again. You know, like I, I'm for everybody being involved. This is not one person's problem, right? Sex outside of marriage is a sin. Being pregnant's not. So we got to help people who find themselves in a place. Many people who it's not of their own desire. So we're not gonna put down, overlook, cast away people wherever they find themselves. But we always will point back to scripture and point back to Jesus and say, there is a better way, but we're going to continue to be people who will help the hurting. Amen. Thank you for people who are with the pastor. That's five of us that are willing to help the hurting, right? Who, who, who are going to, I was also confused. I saw some pastors that were like, all right, church, now it's our time to help pregnant women. I was like, where you been? Right? Like, come on. Like, this is not the time. I mean, welcome to the party. I get that. But like, what do you mean now is the time? It's been the time. So anyway, that's all that. Uh, hopefully that's enough said. Amen? All right. First Samuel chapter 16. If you have a Bible, you could turn there. If you're able, would you stand to your feet this morning as we read God's word together? First Samuel chapter 16. I'm talking about understanding and really operating in the anointing of God. Understanding and operating in the anointing of God. First Samuel chapter 16, verses one to 13. I'll just read a few of the verses this morning uh, at the intro and then we'll read the rest of them as we get to the points. The Bible reads like this. The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I've rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I'm sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I've chosen one of his sons to be king. But Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. <laughs> you think you had a tough weekend. You know, come on, somebody. He said, if Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. The Lord said, take a heifer with you and say, I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I'll show you what to do. You are to anoint for me the one 
I indicate. Let's skip down to the last verse, verse 13. The Bible says, so Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed David in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, come on somebody, the Bible says the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. That's what I'm praying for today, that the spirit of the Lord would come powerfully upon each and every believer. Can I get a good amen? Amen. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you for the opportunity that we've been given to come and lift high the mighty and matchless name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, I ask, give us ears to hear what you're saying. May we all leave different. May we leave more like Jesus. I pray, may we all leave anointed by the Spirit of God so that we would have the power of God. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. Hopefully you got your note sheet. I will get to that at some point. Week number three, Sizzling Summer. There's been a fair amount of confusion, it seems, around the topic of the anointing of God. Some people just don't know what it is. Some people misinterpret it. Some people have taken advantage of it. Some people have quoted the Bible incorrectly and they've used the Bible for their own evil intentions. (laughs) Because with everything, there's good. And then what the devil does to distort, disrupt, pervert the good things of God into evil purposes and plans, designs. And that's even true with the anointing. The devil misdirects and brings harm to others from the good things of God. For instance, we've seen this in some churches. Some of you have uh, been in one of those churches at one time or another. Uh, Hopefully you don't think you're in that one now. But uh, they've misquoted, or they've quoted scripture correctly, but for an incorrect interpretation to use for selfish gain, right? Psalm 105, 15 says, do not touch my anointed ones, do my prophets no harm. That's a true scripture, but that is not um, a permission, or that anointing is not a free label that gives one permission to do whatever they want without regard for others around them or the consequences of their actions, right? Um, Some people have used that to try to say, they've tried to silence valid concerns that others have. And that's a misuse of quoting of scripture. And so if, if it's been misused and misunderstood, even abused within church, is the anointing of God something we should just skip, we should avoid? Oh, we don't want to go there at all. No, by all means, friends, we need the anointing of God. Why? Because the anointing of God is a good thing and it gives us the power to do great things for God that we can't do on our own. So let me say it or explain it this way. The anointing of God could be understood as the presence of the Holy Spirit resting on you to fulfill the purposes of God in your life. How many people want to be anointed by God? Let me see your hand. The rest of you, I will assume, are Lutheran and still want to be anointed, but weren't going to raise your hand. Praise the Lord. Amen. We are a church for everybody. That's okay. We, we, that's my prayer for you today, that whatever level of anointing you'd been operating in, been walking with, that you would leave with a greater anointing of the Holy Spirit on your life today. Why? Because the times we're in demand more than just the pastor be anointed by God. There are people that we encounter each and every day of our lives in our neighborhoods, at the grocery stores, at our place of business that need a man or woman anointed by God to do the purposes of God. Not to manipulate the will of God, not to manipulate other people, but to go and bring help to the hurting in their time of need. 
So one thing that we recognize is that our actions always leave behind a trail of evidence, who we are and where we've been. And I just wanna say as followers of Jesus Christ with the ministry of the Holy Spirit, there ought to be an oily residue left behind the places we've been. Not a trail of devastation and running people over and just my way or get out of the way. No, but there ought to be an oily residue, a ministry of the Holy Spirit. Have you ever stepped on something in your yard, fellow dog owners? (laughs) And you've tracked it in other places. Why? Because what was on your shoe got everywhere else. I want you to know, friends, that that, the Holy Spirit ought to be all on you so that whoever you come in contact with, it rubs off on them as well. There's a trail of anointing, an oily residue behind us. The oil of the Holy Spirit that evidences the anointing of God on our lives for his purposes. You know, as I preached on Friday night, then two more times on Saturday, Pastor Vicente had received a word in our time of ministry. We'd been praying for people probably about 45 minutes or so. And um, he really asked, as one of the emphasis was on the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And at the end of the service, he had asked me to release. He felt like he had a word from the Lord for me to release as the leader of that service, um, the gift of prophecy in every person that was in attendance. And as I prayed, I didn't know he felt that. And so I came up to pray. And as I prayed, I couldn't help but sense the increased need for the ministry of the Holy Spirit through the people of God in these days that we're living in, right? And the emphasis that I felt in that time of prayer was to focus on prophetic encouragement that would bring hope and healing to people drowning in despair and discouragement, yes, even after a Supreme Court ruling. Why? Because I believe that we, the people of God, have what this world needs and his name is Jesus, amen? All right. The note sheet. I got three points, but the closing statement is really a fourth point, so I tricked you again. Number one. Some of you are like, you're not only tricking yourself, Pastor. Okay, number one, that's fine. The anointing is forfeited by sin. I promise it gets more encouraging as the points go on. (laughs) Number one, about the anointing, it's forfeited by sin. Saul was anointed as king of Israel. And he was able to do incredible things as a result of that anointing. But then Saul chose to go his own way. He wanted to do what he wanted to do instead of what God said to do. And the result of his disobedience, the end result of his habitual sin was a removal of God's anointing. And eventually he was removed as king of Israel. We read that in those first verses, right? The Lord said to Samuel, how long will you mourn for Saul since I've rejected him uh, as king? Samuel said, how can I go? If Saul hears about it, he will kill me. I would just like to point out, this wasn't a one-time sin from Saul that forfeited the anointing of God in his life. Saul was uh, wanting to kill somebody else who was coming in the power of God. That, I think, is a communication of where Saul's heart was at. I think we can all agree wanting to murder a man of God coming to town means you're not right with God, okay? You know, like like you might want to blog about me. You might want to send an email to me. But if you want to kill me, that's where we draw the line. It's clear Saul had some real problems. This was not a one-time deal. This was a choice, deliberate decisions by Saul to say, I don't want the things of God. I don't want to follow the ways of God. I want to do it my way. 
So we can go on and we read in verse four, Samuel did what the Lord said. And when he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town trembled when they met him and they asked, do you come in peace? And Samuel replied, yes, in peace. I've come to sacrifice to the Lord. So consecrate yourselves and come sacrifice with me. Then he consecrated Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice. Let me just say that people who are right with God, maybe another way to say it, real men or women of God are not threatened by someone else being anointed. They're encouraged by it. Saul was threatened by God's favor coming upon somebody else, which to me was an indicator that the favor of God was no longer on Saul's life. Let me prove it to you. My dad is not threatened with his son being anointed by God. In fact, he's encouraged by it. He's thrilled by it. He called me last night. He said, son, what are you preaching on tomorrow? I'm praying for you. I'll talk to you after the service. He's not threatened that his son is anointed. By the same token, my wife and I, we're praying for our kids, our two daughters and son. God, would you anoint these children for your purposes? It may look similar to ours. It may look totally different, but would you anoint them for your purposes? We're not threatened by them being anointed. We're thrilled by it. We're encouraged by it. We're praying for it. And I believe real men and women of God are not threatened by other people being anointed. They're encouraged by it. Saul, though, was threatened. I'm so thankful. It was a joy of mine to bring along Pastor Vicente and have him share, not only Friday night in the time of altar ministry, but uh, I had him do a session on Saturday morning. I was doing two, and, and he got to do one on making room for the Holy Spirit. His session was packed. It was awesome. People just packing in there to hear what he had to say. And I was thrilled by it. Why? Because uh, Pastor Vicente is a gift, not only to this house, but he operates under my covering, anointed here at this house. And I'm always thankful. I was thinking, we've had our kids pastor, you pastor, go and speak at different places this last week. Pastor Ryan, our kids pastor, was the director for all of kids camp. There was hundreds of kids up there, ours being some of them. And uh, uh, he was the director. I'm always thrilled when people on our staff, people in our church are able to go out and do ministry because they're anointed by God. I'm not threatened by it. I love hearing good reports of what God is doing in other people's lives. Amen? Let me put it to you this way. Let's set it aside for ministry for a second. Real men of God are not threatened by their wife or their children doing awesome things. Amen. Could have been a lot louder amen, but I just want you to know that, right? I never understand why people put their spouse down. Like, first of all, you married that person, right? You're reflecting your judgment, not mine, you know, like, not my, you know, but, but, but you should be excited when your spouse does something awesome. You ought to be encouraged that God's using them in a mighty way. You ought to pray that your kids would be blessed in ways with gifts, abilities, talents, doing things in this world that you never thought could. That's beyond material blessings. That's opportunity to go and see and be and do things that you only prayed would happen. Real, secure people are not threatened by other people's giftings. They're encouraged by them. Let me just say this too. This is, often gets overlooked. This is point number one. It's, it's probably the most sobering point in the message, but it starts in the passage and I'm fairly committed, as you know, to just reading the word as it's printed. I think something else that needs to get mentioned that's often overlooked in our world today is the reality of the emotional fallout for those around the leader that forfeits their anointing due to sin. Right, we read here in verse two, or verse one, Samuel was still mourning the loss of Saul's anointing. 
Samuel was a man of God and even he was distraught. He was disturbed. He was messed up because of Saul's choices as king. I'm confronted by this reality far too often with my leadership role for other churches. There are many here today, as I mentioned, that have also experienced this reality that the effects of sin are felt far beyond the one who commits the act. So in an effort to move on to more positive stuff, let me just implore you, if you're here watching now, watching at a later time, to repent of any sin in your life while you still have the chance and don't wait till it's too late. For there's far more on the line than your personal position of power. People near and far will be impacted positively or negatively in direct correlation with your choice to sin or to repent and change. Number two, the anointing is a matter of the heart. This is great. Verses six to 10. The anointing, it's a matter of the heart. When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, verse seven, do not consider his appearance or his height for I've rejected him. The Lord, the key for this point, does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Verse eight, then Jesse called Abinadab and had him pass in front of Samuel, but Samuel said, the Lord has not chosen this one either. Then Jesse had Shammah pass by, but Samuel said, nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel, but Samuel said to him, the Lord has not chosen these. Isn't it interesting? Happened in the Old Testament. In a minute, I'll show you the New Testament. I can show you magazines. It still happens today. Isn't it amazing how often we humans give preference to those men who are tall, dark, and handsome? I could give you the list of preference for the women, but I don't want to get any emails. <laughs> so let's just say our society has a type too, okay? <laughs> you know? But this happened in the Old Testament. The man of God, he was like, oh, this guy looks like the leader. And God told Samuel, you're not looking at what I'm looking at. This happened in the New Testament, the book of James, chapter two, verse one. It says, my brothers and sisters, believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, we must not show favoritism. There's a problem in the Old Testament, it's a problem in the New Testament, it's a problem today. What was happening back there in James chapter two, if you have time this week, I'd encourage you to go read it. Um, they were giving preference to people who dressed in nice clothes versus people that were dirty. And the Bible goes on to say that's discrimination. I would contend, although I'm thankful we've come a long way uh, on the topic of discrimination, I would contend probably the longest standing discrimination that humans have ever battled is economic. Because if you have a certain amount, you can look a certain way, you must be blessed, you must be favored, you must be better, I want what you have. And it, the problem of economic preference goes all the way back to the Bible, and even then though, there's stronger language than just preference, it's called discrimination. 
And you know, it's sad when the world discriminates against other people, but it's tragic when it happens in the church. And here, friends, this is the text. Even the prophet was not immune from the natural tendency we humans have to evaluate effectiveness based upon outward appearance. Even the man of God thought, he looks good, he's the one. Maybe another way to say it is, none of us as humans will progress past having to ask the Lord for help. Why? Because the Bible says the Lord looks at the heart. I find it interesting, David, David's dad didn't even think enough of him to bring him in with all the other brothers. He was like, somebody here is king. Jesse's like, let me get all my favorites. Is that it? Ah, I got a younger one. Is that like not your son? Like, I don't get it. You know what I mean? Like, bring all your sons. Okay, all the old ones. Like, come on, talk about a guy who was dealing with some issues the rest of his life, David. You know, like, that's a terrible thing to not even have your dad believe in you, right? Like, that's an age-old problem. We see it in scripture. We see it still today. Like, here we go. His dad didn't even believe in him. What was David doing? The dad said he's still out there in the field. He's just tending the sheep. What was David doing? What he was supposed to be doing. I just want you to know, friends, that I I think maybe it's not a prerequisite for God to use you, but I think it sure helps that, that we would just do what we're supposed to be doing. Maybe David was like, I want to be where the older brothers are. I want to be over there. I, 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 you know, but just do what you're supposed to be doing. Why? Because David was more focused on being developed than he was on being discovered which is completely contrary to the day and age in which we live. Everyone wants to be an overnight success. Everybody wants to get this record label, this invention, this whatever, but let's just focus on being developed instead of being discovered. You know, when I read the scriptures, the disciples, what did they ask Jesus? They said, Lord, teach us to pray. I never read the account of the disciples asking Jesus, how do we get a bunch of Twitter followers? How do I sell out a conference, Jesus? Like, that's not what the disciples, they said, teach us to pray. But tragically, friends, prayer is not that glamorous anymore. It's almost every week that we'll get a call from, yes, even a pastor around the country saying, what's going on at Celebration? What are you doing here? Very rarely do they call and say, tell us about your prayer ministry. Talking about my people here. Talk about you in a second. (laughs) Why is it that we today, we universal, have placed far less emphasis on the need for prayer in our lives? Could it be because we've become so enamored by our own successes, our own achievements, that we've forgotten that without the anointing of God, without the spirit of God, we're just doing things on our own? We've got a lot of people who are focused, more focused on the work of their hands without giving any intentionality to the content of their hearts. And so what we have is people who are discovered, but they've never been developed, and the result is an eventual crash and burn. We have overnight successes and overnight collapses. So the question for us really remains, 
Um, do our hearts reflect the heart of our Father in heaven or the devil below? Right? The Lord looks at the heart. What do we look? Do we get wrapped up in the same evaluations as everyone else, or do we utilize an eternal scale? Because the anointing really is a matter of the heart, which thankfully puts us all on equal standing with opportunity to be used by God. But we must remember that the anointing of God is always for the purposes of God. Number three, the anointing is passed on through spiritual leaders. The anointing is passed on through spiritual leaders. Verses 11 to 13. So he asked Jesse, are these all the sons you have? <laughs> well, they're still the youngest, Jesse answered. But he's just tending the sheep. <laughs> you don't really want him. Samuel said, well, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. I'm just overwhelmed, uh, even in reading this, that there was an awareness of the anointing of God before there was a public recognition of the anointing as well. I just want to pause in a moment. It's not in my notes. And, but maybe you're here, you felt overlooked for a long time. Maybe your own family didn't recognize things. There's not been a public recognition yet of a horn of oil uh, for you, the calling, the dreams, the, the things that God's placed in your life. But I want you to know that when you've been called, gifted, anointed by God, there is an awareness even before there's a public recognition. I want you to know he sees you. If he called you, then he'll bring it to pass. But just in this moment, I couldn't help but, but see here where Samuel says, well, we'll send for him. We're not even gonna sit down till he arrives. David was not king yet. He did not deserve the um, respect, authority that, that a king has. He hadn't been anointed yet, so it wasn't really in motion. And yet Samuel could sense there was something different about the one that Jesse was gonna send for. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was glowing with health and had a fine appearance and handsome features. <laughs> Woo, apparently all of Jesse's family was good looking. <laughs> Samuel was like, hey, that's that son, that son, that son. Oh, he's good looking too. Thank the Lord that it's okay to be good looking and anointed. Amen. All the good looking people said amen. All right. Thank you. The rest of you, you should have said amen, right? Because it's fine. So uh, the Lord said, rise and anoint him. This is the one. So Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers. And from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David. When the spirit of the Lord is upon you, you'll carry the power of the Lord with you. And I'm gonna highlight a few ways here in scripture that I see the anointing is passed on uh, in the Old and New Testament that the anointing is released. But candidly, I just mentioned to you that uh, last night as I was sitting at my desk, which at home is the kitchen table, and I was just going over my notes again for this day and in light of things on the television and internet and 
things in our lives and conversations. I admit to you, I, I was wrestling because I was like, man, am, am I missing it? Like, I don't know, I was feeling a little overwhelmed. And I was like, I, I feel like I have a word from the Lord, but then, you know, sometimes you just you're feeling different. And I was like, am I supposed to change? And I was just wrestling. And, and to be honest, I was feeling a little overwhelmed in the moment. And then as I was sitting there at the table, I just, I, this verse 13, it, it preached to me and I share it with you. It was just like this refreshing came on me. It was like, well, if the spirit of the Lord is upon me, then the power of the Lord is with me. And, and I sat there at my kitchen table and I laid hands on myself. I did. I said, I thank you that I'm anointed in the power of God. I did. I was like, if I could pray for other people and they could be anointed, I could pray for myself and I could be anointed. Amen. You know, like that's so weird, right? If you come to me for prayer, why wouldn't I pray for myself or fa- anyway? So, so I prayed for myself in that moment and I, I just felt like I was reminded by the Holy Spirit. It wasn't just like my own thought, but it was because it was contrary to my own thought. My own thought was, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not the one for it. What am I supposed to do? My own thought was, this isn't right. This isn't, and, and, but the word of the Lord came upon me. It was like, I am called to this. I am gifted for this. I am anointed for this. And therefore, if the spirit of the Lord is upon me, then the power of the Lord is with me. In that moment, I was like, okay, I'll see you tomorrow morning, right? So here we are. But I want to talk to you about Five ways, there's probably a lot more in scripture, but I just wrote down five last night, ways that the anointing is transferred or the the ways that the anointing is released. We see this through spiritual leaders, but I think there are some other things that we can do, some practical ways. So let me list a few of them to you. Um, The first one is this, there's a laying on of hands. There's something about a point of contact, right? Which is also why the devil would want to distort appropriate touch, right? Because there's something about the touch of a spiritual leader which is why we've seen the devil try to come and bring uh, destruction through abuse and different things, right? But, but we cannot deny the reality. We see it in scripture, 2 Timothy chapter one and verse six. For this reason, Paul said, I remind you, fan into flame the gift of God. How did you get that gift? How did you get that anointing? He says, it's in you through the laying on of my hands. That's why when we pray, we'll lay hands on one another. We, we believe in that point of contact that we're not the healer, we're not the anointer, but there is something about that transference that when we come, that it, it releases the anointing. Here's another way to release the anointing in your life and into others because the whole purpose of what we're talking about is to be anointed, to go and do the ministry. Uh, the second way is through prayer and fasting. Prayer and fasting is not a diet plan. It's a spiritual discipline, but it releases the anointing in our lives. Acts chapter 13, verses two to three says, while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me or anoint for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I've called them. So after they fasted and prayed, they did the first one again, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And the Bible says they went out in the power of the Spirit. So when we fast and pray. It's not just 21 days to begin the year. When when we fast and pray on a Monday, when you fast and pray in different times, you're actually releasing the anointing of the Lord in your life so that you can go and minister to those that you encounter. Fasting and prayer, it releases anointing in your life. Here's, Here's a third way. Not the only third, but just the one that I wrote down. Anointing with oil. This is biblical. Uh, 
Leviticus chapter 8 and verse 30. It says, then Moses took some of the anointing oil and some of the blood from the altar. How many people are glad we only use oil at this church? Praise the Lord. Amen. You know, that's a little weird. Really. That's not that church. You know, okay. He took the oil and some of the blood from the altar and sprinkled them on Aaron and his garments and his sons and their garments. So he consecrated Aaron and his garments and his sons and their garments. So we see this. There's something that happens with anointing oil. It's not a magical formula. It's not if you get the right distribution and it's not if you pray without it, but I'm just telling you, friends, when we anoint with oil, it releases the anointing, the Spirit of God on other people. Here's another way. This is uh, one of the least talked about ways to release anointing in your life. It's through right actions. Right actions. It releases the anointing in your life. Look at this, Hebrews chapter one and verse nine. He says, you've loved righteousness and hated wickedness. And then what happens? Therefore, God has set you above your companions by what? Anointing you with the oil of joy. (laughs) You release the anointing of God in your life when you love righteousness and you hate wickedness. When you have right actions, you release the anointing of God in your life. That's why as a believer, when you do a kind act for someone else, when you speak up for those without a voice, when you do those kind of things, when you love righteousness and you hate wickedness, you sense something different than just a nice thing to do for somebody else. You sense a release of the anointing in your life. It's right actions. Which, by the way, you could go back and look at number one, like wrong actions will cut off the anointing of God in your life. Eventually. I know it's one of the things that I struggle with the most. Uh, When we look around and I see somebody and they got wrong actions and it looks like they still got the anointing on their life. It looks like there's favor on their business or in their ministry, whatever that is. But make no mistake, friends, judgment day cometh. The Lord will separate things and there will be a price to pay, but wrong actions will cut off the anointing of God. But... Thanks be to God, through our right actions, we can release his anointing in our life and it's the oil of joy, amen? And then the last way uh, that I wrote down for the sake of time that releases the anointing is through the proclamation of the word of God. Every time, if you don't know what to say, if you read the word, if you speak the word, you will release the anointing of God. Why? Because his word never comes back void. But we see this here in Romans chapter 10 and 17. This is the proof. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard, how? Through the word about Christ. For it is by grace we've been saved through faith. It increases the anointing when we proclaim the word because we're able to then have faith through the preaching of God's word. I love what verse 13 said. And from that day on from the moment of anointing the spirit of the lord came powerfully upon david that's what the anointing does friends the anointing of god carries with it the power of god and by the way this is the power that we so desperately need today i'll unashamedly continue to vote my values, but let me be abundantly clear once again. My hope is not in our government. My hope is not in our policies. My hope was and is and always will be in Christ and Christ alone. All right. Now, point number four, which is the closing statement, so the band can start making their way back out. The anointing is for ministry to others. This is the purpose. 
Uh, you know, we, we've talked about sin or cut off the anointing and how do you release the anointing, but I don't want us to forget the purpose. The purpose of the anointing is not to put on our business card that says I'm anointed, right? The purpose of the anointing is not to uh, make us better than somebody else. Newsflash, it doesn't make you better than them. <laughs> makes you better than you are on your own. <laughs> but uh, the purpose of the anointing is always for ministry to others. We see this as evidenced in the life of Christ. Luke chapter four, verses 18 and 19. The Bible says Jesus was there in the temple and he opened up the scroll and he read from the prophet Isaiah. What did he read? He said, the spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. That's what the anointing is for. If Jesus said, I'm anointed to do those things, how many people believe we ought to be anointed to do those things as well? So I wrote these down again. I'm going to read them to you because if your anointing doesn't bring you to do these things, it's your anointing. And I would encourage you, be anointed by God today. But as we leave, I'm going to pray that we're all anointed by God for the purposes of God. What did Jesus say? It's what the prophet Isaiah told uh, in advance about it. Number one, that we would proclaim good news to the poor. I'd just like to remind everybody that it said good news, not bad news. Amen. Thank you. It said good news, not mad news. Need to tell some of my pastor friends about that part of it. You know, it's, it's, it's good news, not sad news. And by the way, it's good news for everybody, not just the somebodies. Amen. The next thing that he said that he was anointed to do was to proclaim freedom for the captives. I just want you to know, friends, this is way more than self-help, three ways to be happy and healthy. This is the transforming power of God to release us from any bondage that we've been held back in. It is freedom for the prisoners. See, the good news of the gospel is we don't have to stay stuck in our sin. We don't have to stay burdened down by our addictions. We don't have to stay held back by things that have been done to us or that we did to other people, right? That we can be totally transformed. We can have total freedom. If we'll repent and turn, we'll be set free forever. He goes on to say it's recovery of sight for the blind. I just want you to know that whatever your need is, he is our healer. Whatever your struggle is, he'll give strength to the weary. Whatever it is, Jesus paid for it and it's available to you. He said, I came to set the oppressed free. You know, some people like oppression, the ones that are in charge. But oppression is not beneficial for everybody. This is contrary to the good news being for everyone, right? And the gospel always brings relief. Even when it instructs for repentance, which carries with it consequences for actions, there's relief always found after repentance. 
regardless of the consequence. See, looking over your shoulder every day of your life is no way to live. In a minute, I'm gonna pray for an increased anointing on everybody here, but I want you to know, friend, if you're here, you've been living in sin. This is your moment. This is your day. Don't leave the way that you came. So you're like, oh, what'll happen when people find out? Then we'll walk with you, but don't leave in sin, that hidden sin. Don't leave the way you came today. The stakes are too high. The consequences are too great. Live free today. Jesus paid the price you couldn't pay. He hung on the cross, was beaten, was bruised, spit upon, took the eternal punishment that was due to each of us. So now if we choose him, we can trade in our death for his life. We can trade in our hurt for his healing. We can trade in our pain for his restoration. So you can leave free today. The last thing that Jesus said is he said to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. You know, the concept, the practice of Jubilee is a, a great one in scripture. It's really where our bankruptcy laws were uh, started out of this idea that after a certain amount of time, everybody should get to start over. And I want you to know, friends, that because of the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, we don't have to wait for a certain year. <laughs> the favor of the Lord is upon us each and every day that we wake up. The Bible says his mercies are new every morning. And every day that we've been blessed to wake up is the day of the favor of the Lord on our lives. If we'll choose to follow him, if we'll choose to walk in his ways, if we'll choose to do things according. Now, are we still gonna struggle? Probably. Huh. Are you gonna suffer? Maybe. But it'll still be the favor of the Lord on your life. And when we do things his way, it increases his favor in our lives. So I wanna pray for everybody here today that we'd have an increase of the Spirit's anointing on our lives. Because I really believe we're living in the last days. The return of Christ is closer now than it's ever been. But we need everybody anointed by God to do the good things he's planned for us in Christ Jesus, amen? Would you stand to your feet if you're able here this morning? I'm gonna pray for us and then we're gonna sing. But I'm gonna ask every head bowed, every eye closed, would you just, if you're comfortable, open your palms toward heaven like you're just gonna receive from him. I'm gonna pray for the spirit of God to rest upon the people of God here today. As a spiritual leader in this house, I lead this congregation to you, Father. And I ask that you would anoint your people for the works of ministry. I ask that you would come up powerfully upon your people to do exactly what Jesus came to do, to proclaim good news to the poor. I ask that you'd come powerfully upon your people to proclaim freedom for the captives. I ask that you'd come powerfully upon your people to see healing, supernatural wonders. I ask that you'd come powerfully upon your people so that they could see the oppressed set free. And I ask that you'd come powerfully upon your people so that they could proclaim the favor of the Lord. God, for each and every person, each and every child of yours here today, every man, every woman, every young, every old, each and every person that's here, would you rest upon each person? Holy Spirit, would you come? Would you fill us completely full? May our lives be marked by your anointing oil. May our lives be marked by the power that comes only by you. 
so that we can do what you've called us to do. And I ask it in Jesus' name today. In Jesus' name today. Do what only you can do in the lives of your people. In Jesus' name. You know, in a moment, we're going to sing, but I just, I want to pause. I just feel so strong that in the midst of this anointing that's going on, every head bowed, no one looking around, I just want to pause and pray even before we sing. Maybe you're here. You're not right with God. There's hidden sin in your life, or maybe it's out in the open sin. Maybe everybody knows about it, but the Bible says that there's a way that seems right, but in the end, it leads to death. And maybe you're here and you say, Pastor Derek, I'm on that way that leads to death. I'm not living the way I should be. I'm not living according to the things of God. I'm not following the commands of God. I'm going my own way. Uh, maybe I'm like Saul. Maybe I was anointed at one point and I've turned my back. Whatever it is today, you want to be certain. You want to be sure. You want to experience the favor of the Lord in your life. You've got to get right with God. You've got to turn and repent. You've got to leave your wicked, evil ways. You've got to turn from your sinful choices and turn to Him. And the Bible says if you put your heart and your trust in Him. If you'll confess Him as Lord, you'll be forgiven. You'll be made new. The old will be gone. The new will come. And you can experience His favor here today. And before we go, before we sing, before we leave this place, anointed by God, you're here. And in a moment, you'll lift your hand and say, Pastor, pray for me. I'm not right with God. There's sin in my life. I don't want to leave this way. You're not here by accident, friend. You didn't come here by coincidence. Maybe it's your first time you've been coming every week. I don't know, but God sure knows, and you're here. Don't leave this place with sin in your life. You can leave forgiven, and you can leave whole. If that's you, you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? Lift your hand. Come on boldly. All across this house in the online, you can mark the comments. Thank you. Sure, hands all over. Hands all over. Come on, we're going to leave free today. We're not going to leave in our way of sin. We're not going to leave following the way of death. We're going to live whole in Jesus' name. Come on, I'm going to ask everybody to pray this prayer out loud. If you're there and online, you could pray with somebody, one of our hosts there. We'd love to pray with you. But come on, let's pray out loud. Maybe you're sitting there on your couch. You're here on the front row. Let's pray out loud. Would you repeat after me? Say, Dear Jesus, here's my life. I give it to you. I can't do it alone. So thank you for paying for me. Thank you for dying in my place. Today, I receive your life. Today, I receive your forgiveness. In Jesus' name. And everybody said amen. Can we thank the Lord for that here today? In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Yeah, yeah. Come on, let's lift our voice. Let's make this a declaration here today. You're gonna Amen. Amen. But a moment, Pastor Josiah is going to come. Let me just say, if that was you and you gave your heart to Christ, you were forgiven, you were made new, I just want to encourage you to tell somebody on your way out today, that's the greatest thing you could ever do with your life is be forgiven, be made new. Today you can leave whole, you can leave healed in Jesus' name. So Pastor Josiah, if you come, give us our instructions here today. We hope that you learned something from this message and are able to apply it to your life. If you gave your life to Jesus for the first time or for the 10th time, please reach out to us on Facebook or email us at info at celebrationchurch.net. Thank you for listening. We'll see you again next week.